Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is Devin Leger. We recorded this in February at his home in Seattle. Oh, to be back in February, playing music with others at their houses. Haven't had to say this in a while, but this episode has an explicit tag because we swear a few cusses and there are a few anatomical references. It's all very benign, honestly, but I have to give it the explicit tag so that Apple Podcasts doesn't get mad at me. This is a fantastic interview and well worth enduring its blue moments, and one could argue that it's fantastic in part because of said moments. So, enjoy. Get Up in the Cool is listener-funded, and a lot of you stepped up when you heard that musicians are getting their gigs and tours and camps canceled due to COVID-19. I'm not hit as hard as my full-time touring musician friends, but I have lost some income opportunities, and I will lose more. So, shout out to all the new Patreon supporters, Josh Nestor, Kirsten Cowell, former guest of the show and creator of the logo, Trisha Spencer, who just launched a Patreon that you should all check out, by the way. My former bandmate, Sandra Milanowicz, please stay safe in New York, and Ick Mac, and a very special shout out again to Chet Gray, this time for raising their pledge amount. Thank you all so much. It means a lot, especially right now. To my other listeners who haven't yet signed up to fund the show, you can follow the link in this episode's show notes on your podcast app to patreon.com slash getupinthecool. Find a level that you can comfortably sustain and, of course, get some exclusive rewards like full video episodes, a secret bonus track podcast, an mp3 archive of every tune and song ever played on the show, and online banjo workshops, which you probably have time for now. One more thing before we get started, you may have noticed a bonus episode drop on Friday. I decided to start a mini-series on the feed called Get Up in the Cool Presents Save the Tour, where I feature some bespoke recorded concerts for you all from previous guests of the show who have been essentially laid off from their jobs as performing and teaching artists. I'm going to keep releasing those every Friday as long as I receive them. The deal with those bonus episodes is that they're not free. They're there to replace in-person concerts that have been canceled, so go to the show notes in those episodes and drop them a tip in their virtual tip jars, sign up for their Patreons, buy their albums, merch, etc. Let's keep the music alive. Let's save the tour. Stick around afterwards and I'll tell you how to keep up with this week's guest. But first, here's my interview and jam with Devin Leger. Enjoy. Thank you. 
so glad we did that tune first. It's so stressful. <laughs> Back that and relax for the rest of for the following hour. <laughs> it's a brutal tune. Oh god. I need, I need a cigarette. <laughs> uh, Devin Leger, welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Thanks, Cameron. Yeah, nice thanks, to be here. Thanks for letting me into your house. Yeah, yeah. And thanks to the little dog who decided that I was okay. Uh, he might have left. Oh, okay. little buddy. I'll go get him. <laughs> Scruffers, come here, boy. Scruffers. Scruffers. Oh, he's downstairs. Uh, what the hell did we just play? We played Gigue à Jérôme from Jérôme Arsenault. He's an Acadian fiddler from the Magdalen Islands. And it's one of the most crooked tunes I know. French Canadian yeah. music is famous for crooked tunes. And that one's a beast. It's a weird one. And you, and you know this man. I do, yeah, I do. I, he's um, he is his. I knew him as um, his his uh, stage name was Villebon le Villeneuve, Villebon the fiddler. I think Villebon was like his grandfather's name, and he was kind of like a mythical character. Like I saw pictures of him. Um, when you're talking about Acadian music, there are very very few commercial recordings, just probably a handful that really were ever made. It's not very common that it was recorded. So he was one of the few recordings that came from the Magdalen Islands. Just um, be audience surrogate, and also I don't know where are the Magdalen Islands. So the Magdalen Islands are very strange. They're a set of islands off the coast of Quebec. They're way okay. up in the Gulf of Saint Lawrence, very very isolated, and they're basically it's a long history and it's a pretty brutal history. But the history is that the Acadians were kind of like the Eastern French Canadians, and the Quebecers Quebecois were the ones who are in Quebec. But the Acadians were dispersed all over the world. This was called the Great Deportation, the Grand Déménagement. Hmm. So in the 1750s, the British crown basically went into where they were living, mostly in Nova Scotia, and forcibly deported pretty much everybody. Wow. Most of them. It was genocidal. About half of them died in the transits. So it was a huge act of genocide by the British crown. And they just got scattered. So the most famous ones are the ones that went back to France, then they went to Haiti, and then they ended up in Louisiana where they became the Cajuns. But he specifically took that route, France yep. to Haiti. Yeah, no, most people, say, when they hear the story of, there's a poem, Evangeline is the famous poem of the Acadians that were separated by the deportation. And most people assume they kind of wandered down to Louisiana. That's but what, what actually said, happened yeah. was they went back to refugee housing in western France. It's called yeah. La Ligne Acadienne in, uh, in Poitou, where I was. I lived there for a little bit in that area. And they had like refugee housing. And then they went to Haiti, Saint-Domingue, it was called at the time. And why? Why did they go to Haiti? There was a way. It was. I think they were just sent there as like colonists. Okay. And then from there they started getting stories that I think, as I recall, at the time Louisiana was Catholic because of Spanish influence. So they were all Catholics. They wanted to go somewhere that was Catholic. Yeah. So they ended up in Louisiana, and then the word Acadien, which means Acadian in French, became Cajun, became Cajun. Yeah. So the Cajuns come ultimately from the Acadians. Yeah. But the past diverged long ago, and they never brought instruments on their travels, or the instruments they brought were destroyed. So when they got to Louisiana, they didn't have instruments, they just had a lot of their songs. Hmm. Um, and it's interesting, somebody asked me at some point if, if the definition of Acadians, of the cultural identity, is this wandering, this like yeah. being sent, a diaspora kind of wandering. Where are all the songs about that? Where are the songs about... You know, being sent away to wander. Absolutely, yeah. But we, we, I don't know that there are any that were ever, like, from the tradition that were, like, written at that time. But there are interesting songs about being lost at sea. There's a really beautiful song about, um, what's it now? A girl gets lost at sea. She's set adrift in a lifeboat, and she wanders the ocean for, like, seven years, which is a long time. And there was a long time. It's like, 35 years before they got to Louisiana. So there's a lot of wandering. Um, and we, oh no, yeah, nous étions sept ans sur mer. We were eight, we were seven years on the water. They ate the rats. They ate, yeah. they ate each other at some point. And at one point she sees a white dove and that's the symbol that they can go to land now. So that in my mind is like what was left of that kind of like trauma for this whole kind of culture yeah. is these songs of being kind of lost at sea and the ocean and the sea is huge in their minds. And in the Magdalen islands, uh, most of the people there are like lobster fishermen or seal hunters. Yeah, it was hard to find out. Like the, the Magdalen Islands are kind of like the last bastion of Acadian culture. You know, if you look in like New Brunswick, there's a ton of Acadians. My family's from New Brunswick, but it's a bilingual province, and a lot of it's been kind of just kind of wiped out by uh, Don Messer fiddling from Canada, sure. down 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 east fiddling or bluegrass. Everyone plays bluegrass. In fact, Jerome, who's that tune came from, played bluegrass as well. He would go uh, like every Sunday or something into Montreal and play at a bluegrass club. 
kind of jam bluegrass. Um, so the real like, last place where it was are these really remote islands, the Magdalene Islands. And the tunes that come out of that are like really wild tunes. They're very, very kind of rough and crazy. And, and there are Acadians there now? Yeah, now they're all Acadians. And, yeah. but, but it's part of Quebec, it's weird. Was that the place that originally had all the Canadians and they were forced out? And the Acadians were all in Nova Scotia. Okay. So they, it's, it's an interesting thing. They came from Western France where there was a big marsh. The Marie Poitvin is like a huge marsh. And they were really adept at farming marshes. They built like sluice gate, really fancy sluice gates to make a marsh into a farmland. So they were kind of brought to Nova Scotia to do that, to take these huge marshes and turn them into farmlands, which they did. Incredible farmland. And of course, as soon as they set up on this amazing farmland, the British wanted that land. Yeah. So that's a big reason they were deported was to get that land. So they were sent out of Nova Scotia. Some still remain in Nova Scotia in pockets. Um, one of the real pockets is this little tiny town of Shittikam in Cape Breton Island, right up at the kind of northeast or northwest. Beautiful little Acadian town. Mm. But they're all in pockets. And then a lot of them went to New Brunswick because New Brunswick was kind of a shithole. Like it was not like a nice wasn't like the fanciest part of Canada, let's put it yeah. that way. <laughs> so they went to New Brunswick and then a lot went to the Magdalen Islands. Gotcha. Okay. And they kind of they were kind of a little safer in the Magdalen Islands from these like waves of deportation that kept coming through. Yeah. So over time that's been isolated enough that they built up this really cool culture. So my my fiddle teacher, we'll play a tune from him later, Bertrand de Rasp is like one of the premier fiddlers of the of the Magdalen Islands. And then Jerome was the other fiddler that a lot of people knew. I mean there's a lot of fiddlers, but like Villebonne de Villeneuve had an LP in the 70s. It was a really cool old LP that I got my hands on. I was like, who is this guy? And it took me, I think, four years to track him down. A long time to track him down. And everyone told me he was dead. All the all the people in Quebec were like, yeah, he passed away long ago, we're pretty sure. But Bertrand helped me out and started pulling some strings behind the scenes. And we found out that he was alive and well in a suburb of Montreal. Just living in the suburb. He was an old cop. He had been a cop for years in Montreal. Super, super, yeah, it was a cop for a long time. And he was living in Montreal in, there's actually a weird kind of like Acadian quarter where all these Madelino, they're called, if they're from the Magdalens, they're called Madelino. So the Madelino had like this kind of quartier, a quarter, yeah. like a, a neighborhood yeah. that was theirs. They had like a Acadian diner where you could have seal flipper pie. Wow. And they had like an Acadian club that was like, I went there one time and I was like, this is insane. It was like totally insane scene. And there were these fiddlers that lived there. One of them was Villebonne de Villeneuve. He was known as like Jérôme. His real name is Jérôme Arsenault. Jérôme Arsenault. Um, but again, his stage name was Villebonne de Villeneuve. So I went and I found him. I tracked him down and I went with uh, Jan, Jan Falke from uh, Chanty Coram. We went out together one day just to, to go talk to him. I just called him up and we went and said hi. And he didn't, he wasn't playing anymore. He was a little, he was pretty old. So he wasn't playing anymore, and he wouldn't do the mouth music, which I really wanted to hear. It was this really cool mouth music. Yeah, in the recording you sent me, he kind of, like, mumbles through the tune. Yeah, it's like it's mouth wilting, music. But, like... It's called La Tourlute. Do they always do it that way? Those are... That is very Acadian. And a lot of the weirdest... And I don't know... No one's ever been able to really research this that much, but we think that a lot of the really weird tunes, like the really, really crooked or super syncopated tunes, were mouth music tunes. So they were called La Terlute. La Terlute, if, you know, mouth music is all over the Celtic world. Hmm. Like, every Celtic area has their own... Ver Even in Appalachia, there's mouth music. Right. Uh, diddling, lilting, terlute is what they call it there. Um, and it... it in this case, in the Acadian culture, we think a lot of it was preserved through this mouth music, often by women. The women would pass on. One of the one of the really great sources we're finding now for New Brunswick Acadian fiddling is a, is the mother of one of these fiddlers, who had all these like beautiful uh, tunes in her head. You know that she would just kind of lilt yeah. them. Is so, the idea that that it's that it's equally valid on the fiddle or through? the mouth like i no i mean i think that there were probably times when it was like if you didn't have a fiddle you could use a loop maybe to jam. dance yeah to dance yeah. more for dance I, I, it was also i think a, a mnemonic and it was a way for singers maybe who didn't play as much to kind of keep up with the tunes and keep their own repertoire of tunes yeah and in some cases it's passed on through the mouth like there was only there's i've heard instances of fiddlers where they only had the mouth music to learn from because the fiddler would stop playing so all they had was the mouth music huh. But he didn't even share that with me. Yeah, he just why, wanted why to chat. Yeah, why did he want to do that? 
oh no you just wanted to chat yeah yeah (laughs) you know there's a certain when you do field field recordings it's like there's a certain element of like being a hard ass that I never quite learned, you know, like, <laughs> like this is a great conversation. Could you please stop and show me the obscure thing I'm interested in that you barely care about anymore? Yeah. Right. Like it's yeah. kind of hard to be like an asshole like that. So I was always just, and I wanted to, I felt it was more important to show him respect because sure. I just, it meant so much to me. His music meant a lot to me because I was trying to find my own heritage and understand it and no one else could tell me what it was. So his music was like, oh, wow, this is this is amazing. You know, this is an amazing thing that he shared with everybody. So I wanted to respect that. And so I, we never got around to playing. But we got lots of great stories. And he was a mm-hmm. sweet old man. It was funny because he was a cop. And I was like, at one point, I was like, I got to ask him about being a cop in Montreal. Absolutely. Like, he's like the sweetest old man. So sweet. Like yeah. the nicest guy. And we've been here for like two hours just getting all these stories from him. Yeah. He must have been a cool cop, but he wasn't. He was like a super hard ass. No, and he had this story. He had this story about Trudeau. You know, Trudeau was the prime minister of Canada, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, Justin Trudeau's father. Yeah. So he's he was telling me the story. He was like, he was like one time in this park in Montreal. I knew that there were a bunch of these people with long hair in the seventies. Yeah. And I knew that they were smoking opium. I was like, opium, like. I don't think they were smoking maybe pot, but like opium. opium yes, they were all smoking sense. opium. And I went in there and I told him to break it up. And this guy, Trudeau, was there and I arrested him. I was like, You arrested the future Prime Minister of Canada? He's like, Yes. And I told him I would let him go if he came back into the station the next day at ten AM on the dot with his hair cut short. Then he could go. Wow. So I was, like, I was like, whoa. <laughs> Seriously? He's like, yes, that's right, with his hair cut short. And the next morning at 10 a.m., Pierre Elliott Trudeau showed up with his hair cut short. <laughs> and that set him on the path. That set him on the path to being a prime minister. He understood the power of the law. Oh, my God. That really surprised the heck out of me. I thought he'd be like the nicest old man. Yeah, oh, he's just like them fascist go. cop. You know, he's like, freaking long hairs and they're opium smoking. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect that. That's incredible. <laughs> well, but he was very sweet, Jerome Arsenault, and that tune is very, very crooked. My wife hates that tune. Yeah, we get in yelling matches whenever I start to play it. She won't accompany it. She doesn't want it played in the house. I'm going to play it at the session tonight at our house, and I think it's not going to go well. Yeah, she might leave. Yeah, but it's it's just so crooked, and it's yeah. and the feet. It's really hard to do the feet because you're kind of like it. The beat is flipping back and forth, so it's kind of like behind your feet, then it's ahead of your feet, then it's behind. It's like a door almost. It kind of opens and closes. Very strange tune. I would recommend uh, claw hammering it. Yeah, it sounded great. <laughs> Maybe it's easier than the fiddle. It's I don't know. Not, it's, it's brutal. It sucked. <laughs> it's so hard. It's a hard tune. Yeah. Uh, c- can we play this uh, Saint Anthony and yeah. tell us about? It? And then yeah, I'm putting a pin in this, but I really specifically want to ask you about finding your cultural heritage and um, that sort of pilgrimage journey because that's always interesting to me. Yeah. But first, let's talk about St. Anne's Real. Yeah, okay, yeah. sure. Yeah, well, we'll play some St. So St. Anne's Real is like the national anthem of French-Canadian music. Everybody plays it. Pretty sure there's many versions of Mon de Métis sure. all over Quebec. Everyone knows this tune. But I have a nice version that I got from this Acadian fiddler in New Brunswick, Andrea Toto Savoie. He is like, he's an amazing fiddler. It was another case where people nobody knew where he was. He was um, there's a band called Celtic Fiddle Festival, and they always played a tune called Andrea Toto, and uh, maybe too much explanation, but anyways, no, no, they always played a tune called Andrea Toto, and it was really cool. It was like very cool, and I was really interested in French Canadian music, but I had no idea what Acadian music was, so I got super intrigued by this tune. What is this tune? And I learned it was Acadian from this guy, Andrea Toto Savoie. So I, I couldn't I just couldn't stop thinking about it and over time I finally got up the courage to find this guy. And I found that he was in a town called Shipago in New Brunswick. So I just called like I called like the visitor center of Shipago. I was like, Do you know this guy, Andrea Toto? Oh, Andrea Toto, yeah, of course we know him. He's a cop. Yeah, he wasn't <laughs> quite the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> he was kinda of like the he's a little bit of a hermit. He was kind of a hermit. Like he um he was just a kind of a, an older bachelor, but he was very, very famous in New Brunswick and a little famous elsewhere, but no one had really almost ever gone to see him. He was very rare. He was kind of hard to find. So they just put me through and I called him up on the phone and he was super nice and we kind of chatted and I got more information. 
And eventually I went out to find him in New Brunswick and I went to Shipago and it was a crazy adventure. But he has a version that shows really powerfully the syncopation of Acadian fiddling. And that's what I learned from him is that I assumed Acadian fiddling was similar to Quebecois fiddling. Sure. And it is in a sense, but it's got crazy syncopation that the Quebecois wouldn't touch. And he was one of the real sources for finding that syncopation. And as we play it, I'll show you too, he was a source of really weird microtones. And a lot of Acadian fiddling in New Brunswick that I found, maybe less in the Magdalens and more in New Brunswick, is very microtonal in really weird ways that don't make any sense. So the, so here's the French-Canadian, or Quebecois version of Sandy, it's kind of the standard version. Andrea Toto Savoy from Chipago, New Brunswick. is making a pass at me and I, uh, I appreciate it it's a tasty one yeah you can hear he'd always he would always play his like uh his b or his e a little flat yes <laughs> that's a little and i thought he was kind of like i thought maybe he was using the third finger and sliding up like i'm doing yeah or he was playing it wrong but Every single time he played it that way, and when I asked him to play it for me in person, I could see he was very clearly putting his finger there on purpose. Yeah. So there's something going on. There's a weird microtone that he really loved, that I love too now. I've come to really enjoy it. Let's see if I can actually incorporate that. We'll see. Yeah, I see got frets, but yeah. <laughs> you do have, you can yeah. bend it a little bit. Let's try it. One, two.
There you so go. So much swagger. Yeah, the Acadian version of St. Anne's Woo. is pretty, pretty hopping. Yeah, so you could hear, I mean, you could hear the difference between the two styles. The Quebecois style was a lot more kind of fluid, you know, has a lot notier. Yes. The Acadian style, you hear all that kind of driven syncopation. And it's, the theory is that it's almost like, the, the kind of the push of it is almost a little bit like Cajun fiddling. Yeah. And that was kind of the missing link that nobody ever really talked about or knew. We, you know, we assumed that there were a lot of other things making Cajun fiddling so syncopated. Cajun fiddling is very syncopated. Yeah. So we thought that Cajun fiddling, a lot of it came from other influences. Certainly it did, a lot of African and Caribbean sure. influences. Um, but what I think nobody really knew and took a long time to find was that Acadian fiddling is really syncopated. It hasn't been recorded that much, so people weren't really aware of that. But when we started going back and like finding these older fiddlers, looking at older recordings, going to archives, going into the old field recordings, just over and over we were finding that it was a huge amount of syncopation in the fiddling, which was really surprising. And I think, and I would talk to David Greeley, who's a great Louisiana Cajun fiddler, and he's kind of seeing that as well. He did some of that research too, and he's feeling that some of that syncopation translates to Cajun fiddling. Hmm. So that was kind of the missing link. I don't know how it happened because they didn't bring fiddles with them. It's known they did not bring fiddles with them. It took about maybe 10, 20 years before the fiddle got to Louisiana. Huh. So it's unclear how that came, maybe through the mouth music, I don't know. Yeah. But there's more syncopation than we ever thought in Acadian fiddling, and it's cool, it's really fun. And for dancing, it's crazy. We do it at Contras, and people just flip out, it's a blast. Yeah, I can see why. Yeah. So, you're ethnically Acadian? Yeah, my dad's from- what does that from, mean, yeah. Yeah, my dad's from New Brunswick. His family goes back generations in New Brunswick. Um, but in the Acadian community in New Brunswick, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. no, they were very, they were actually very powerful. With my, um, my, let's see, my my great grandfather Antoine Leger was uh, the first Acadian senator in New Brunswick, hmm. and then my grandmother's cousin Romeo Leblanc. My grandmother was a Leblanc. Um, her cousin was the governor general, which is like second to prime minister. Ah. So my family goes back a long ways. My dad's family goes back a long ways in New Brunswick. Um, and you know, they, you know, they didn't have a lot of necessarily access to like the folk tradition. That wasn't necessarily part of where they what they were doing, you know. But there's just a lot of history there, and the family is very well known. Yeah. And I thought it was funny. I thought it was very exotic when I was a kid. Like Leger, had my last name has an accent. Yeah, an accent aigu on the first e. And no one, I ever never met anybody. No, I grew up in Northern California. There were no Legers. There were no Acadians yes. anywhere nearby. <laughs> so I had no clue. And then I went to New Brunswick for the first time. When I was a little older. And like the whole, like half the phone book in New Brunswick is Leger. Like it's tons of Leger. Leger and LeBlanc are like the two big names. Yeah, Smith. Yeah, but yeah, the, my the heritage. My my dad like listened to a lot of the fiddling when he was a kid. He had a lot of LPs of like Jean Carignan, who's the great Quebecois fiddler, you know. And there was a lot of he was interested in it. But when I was a kid, I was really into Irish fiddling. Mm. That was like my main interest, and I had no idea that Acadian fiddling was a thing. It took me a long time to understand what that was and it took years of research. And there weren't that many people doing the research. It's just me and a few other people. Why were you doing the research? I did the research. I went back to Western France. I did an exchange when I was in college. I lived in Poitiers um, and, I, and uh, I was really interested in, I got interested in what the her my heritage was. And then I studied ethnomusicology as well in, in school. I got a master's in ethnomusicology from the University of Washington. And what that taught me was that um, it, 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 taught, it gave me an interest in my own culture. Like, I learned Chinese music. I learned Balinese rabab, which was fun. I had a great time doing it. I had no complaints. But uh, it also taught me that I had something that was of interest. Yes. And that's when I kind of was like, well, what is that? And I assumed it would be really boring. Like, boring, Don Messer, shitty fiddle. Like, everybody plays back there. <laughs> wow, hot takes. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Don Mester's great. He got a lot of his tunes from Acadian sources. One of the guys we're going to play, Edouard Leblanc, was friends with him, and he got a bunch of tunes from him. Yeah. So Don Messer knew this was there, um, but I just didn't understand that there was anything very interesting. So I learned French-Canadian Quebecois fiddling, because I was like, well, that's kind of cool. It's got syncopation. Yeah. A lot of people I know play it. I can speak French. I can learn French. I can sing the songs in French. Um, so I got into that, and then little by little, I started uncovering that actually Acadian fiddling is really fascinating. There's this whole world that just nobody has any idea about. Um, and it was interesting. It was really weird. The guy who kind of also really inspired me was this guy, Robin Leblanc. He's a little bit older than me, maybe. He's really inter very interesting guy, really sweet guy. He has like a homestead in Bathurst, New Brunswick. But he's like the guy right now who's doing the most for Acadian fiddling. 
he put out an album that's like kind of the grail for everybody because it's it's what's it like there's like 30 tracks and like four tunes per track yeah so it's like oh my god there's so many tunes, and they're all these incredible he has a kind of a nose for archives and old tunes so he has all these old old tunes and he knows the tradition really well and uh, when we went to new brunswick to make the our first album or our most recent album when we were kind of getting the material for that we went to new brunswick to go meet Andrea Toto to go see this area of New Brunswick that we were interested in. And we met with Robin, and it was really inspiring for me. And we kind of all got kind of galvanized from that meeting. But what's crazy is that later on, we figured out that he kept talking about when he had actually been in Poitiers as well, same place in Western France, he was doing some kind of exchange as well. And he kept talking about this American that had like confronted him in a bar over his heritage and had been, had told him like, where is your music? Because he wasn't playing Acadian music. He didn't like grow up playing it either. He had been playing other kinds of music. I think he played yeah. Irish as well, actually. And he went to this Irish pub in Poitiers where there was a session and some American told him like, go find your own music. What is your music? What is Acadian yeah. music? And that started him on his process of discovery where he found all these amazing tunes and dedicated himself to it. Was this conversation like earnest or was it like Ernest not being not like a jerk, just like earnest, like, you know, yeah. look to your own, like what's what's your heritage? Yeah. You should find that because nobody knows what this is. Yeah. The later we found out that I was at American and I had kind of forgotten that. I had oh been, so like all wow. that time ago it was this weird like kind of feedback loop where like I had originally inspired him in this bar because I went to the same bar we ran the dates and everything. It was like, oh shit, that I was at the bar at the same time playing Irish Session like every week at that bar. And that's exactly what I would have told him is like, go find Acadian music because I was trying to find that too. Yeah. And then we both diverged and then came back again and kind of re-inspired each other. So it's kind of a sweet thing. Like it's interesting the paths that life kind of takes you on. It took yeah. me a long time to get to where I could say what Acadian fiddling is. And, you know, because it's just so hard to find this fiddling. But we took a long time, and it's it's the most it was the most amazing thing. The fiddling is incredible. I've never heard anything like it. I've never heard a tradition that sounded like it. It sounds unlike anything else, and it's very beautiful and wild and and, and kind of intense. This fiddling, I love it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, you heard a little bit of that with uh, Andrea Toto. Yes. And he was a he was a crazy guy. He was this kind of a bit of a hermit. Lived in this little tiny apartment as a bachelor in Chipagon, and I went there with my parents, and it was like pretty rundown and. And he had a bit of a reputation for as a drinker. Like he drank a lot, so he was a bit of a kind of wild card in the community. But his fiddling is just amazing, just the most inc incredible fiddling. Uh, and we found him. We were, and then now, after we found him, other people started visiting him more too. So there's other there's recordings online now of him. And he passed away like about a year or so ago, and uh, Jerome passed away about a year or so mm. ago too. They both passed away. Which is too bad. I mean, they were really one of the great links to that past. Um, but luckily, Bertrand de Rasp from the Magdalens is holding it down. That guy is amazing. So yeah. this, the, people still play this style, and and uh, and Robin still plays it a lot too. But it took a long, long time and a lot of efforts from different people to find this music. And now it's con the diaspora is continuing with with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Robin has yeah. like a fiddle camp now. He's teaching people. People now are interested in Acadian fiddling. Um, and there's one main band that plays Vishten is like the only it's the only really touring Acadian band that plays the old traditions traditional stuff and the fiddler is from the Magdalen Islands Pascal Muse and he learned from Bertrand de Rasp as well so there it is getting out there Acadian music but I mean even in Canada like nobody has any idea what this oh. is like there, like I said there's a handful of recordings that were ever made and a lot of them is like half of it's Don Messer and there's two like totally insane tunes um, the Roby Show Brothers, they had an album on Rounder that was really key too for New Brunswick fiddling. And somehow Rounder, actually speaking of being kind of a hard ass in field recording, all of their other recordings were Down East style. They lived in New England, they didn't live in New Brunswick, and they played this super Down East style. And whoever that dude, Ken Irwin at Rounder, just like put his foot down. And he was like, nope, we want the old stuff. Yeah. And that is like the grail. Like the stuff they were playing is amazing, this old style. Yeah. And they never, ever, that I know of, ever recorded that style again. It's really funny from my perspective to hear down east, as you're saying, yeah. as like what 
old time musicians would call like northern style. Is that like no <laughs> down east is not really a thing in America. It, it is, but not among anyone we would really interact with. Okay, down east is like kind of Don Messer, like Golden Slippers kind of oh, stuff, okay. like really corny. Yeah, I mean it's it's virtuosic. Like Don Messer was amazing, yeah. like just incredible virtuosity on the fiddle. But like super noty, it's it is. Let's say let's say this. Down east is to like the way we think of northern music as like Weezer competition fiddle is to Weezer old. I see. Okay, great. There you go. That's thanks <laughs> that's for a clarifying. Good analogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, real different, but they're in the same kind of space. Yeah, and you'd be surprised how little they mix sometimes. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I, I talk bad about it. It's a virtuosic style. It's just that everyone in Eastern Canada knows Don Down East style. Yeah, everybody knows this. And it's tiresome because it's like it kind of ran roughshod over these older traditions. Sure. That were very beautiful and very different. And down east was just like straightened them all out. Like a lot of Texas fiddling has over the regional yep. styles. That'd yeah. be a great analogy. And yeah. Howard Rains, you know, yeah. is a great example of like what you can do when music. you bring back that yeah. older stuff. But you have but he has he looks hard for that stuff. Yeah. And you gotta like and, and Robin is like crazy, like he has his nose like finding tapes in people's attics. You know, he'll just like kind of go talk to his neighbor or somebody around. Like, oh, my grandfather fiddled. He has a whole box of tapes. So our man's got this like stash yeah. of like these amazing old like house recordings. Mm. So um, yeah, it took a long time to get to find this music, but it's worth it. Glad you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, what should we play next? Oh, uh, what do we got? I got I got into the other tunings. So. Uh, okay. Let's do Teatima Sipus. Okay. That, that's the one that to me looks like Theo time. Theo time. Theo time. <laughs> Great. Let me make sure I'm in tune with you. Cool. Thank you. I'll have to check I'm, again before we do the waltz because I'm actually going to do some up the next stuff on that one. But that's fine. For the rest of this, it doesn't matter. I can sweeten it. I'm not a stickler for tuning. I don't mind. Cool. Yeah, I actually love playing with like really attitude pianos. That's the best. Oh yeah, oh, I like that. I don't mind it at all. Uh, you want to talk a little bit before? I do? Yeah, Theo time. Theo time. <laughs> so this stop. <laughs> it's Theo <your> time. <laughs> so this is a tune. Uh, this is a good uh, talking about Robin. He, a lot of his tunes come from his. Uh, I think it's his uncle Fermat, and no, his uncle Ira, and his, I think his grandfather Fermat. They're all from a little village, and strangely, my family is from that village as well. Hmm. It's a village in uh, southern New Brunswick called Memramcook, and my grandmother and grandfather both came from right around that area. Beautiful little village on the Bay of, you know, the Bay of Fundy. I don't. Weird. It's weird. A very weird area. It's like a, it's a bay with a huge tide. It's internationally known. So the tide just kind of comes in like a massive river and then goes out and it's dry. It's the weirdest thing. It's a very strange little area. Um, but the, there's a, 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 a fiddler from the area that we discovered that we really like a lot, Edouard Leblanc. And uh, he has he has one of the other few commercial recordings, and he plays like a demon on it, like really fast, like way beyond necessary fast. Like really, really. He's, <laughs> we call him the Paganini of Memram Cook because it's like the dude's just berserk on the fiddle. And I thought that that was crazy. And then we dug up old field recordings in the archives of him. And he played a lot slower. So for some reason, he thought, like, when he was recorded, I better play as fast as I can. Yeah. So we found these two later. <laughs> what the people want. <laughs> and the field recordings are great, too. I'm, I'm such a nerd for weird old field recordings. It's so great. It's like him. And then there's, like, ten older women from the village mm. during the field recording. And he'll play a tune all the way through. And he'll stop. And then they'll all debate in French. They're going to debate in French, like, who the... Oh, that's from... That's from Jose. He's the neighbor of George. Oh yeah, yeah. You heard the story about his mom, and like you can kind of like hear him just sitting there with the fiddle, like just not saying anything. Like oh my god, and they talk. They talk for like ten minutes to debate where that tune came from, and then they stop. And he's like, okay, next tune, and he goes, and then another ten minutes. Oh, where did that one come from? I think that was from my neighbor from back. Yeah, I think that was my neighbor. Like oh my god, it's so. And they're not doing anything but just like providing this long background. Yeah. Um, all that to say that a lot of these Acadian tunes, they don't have a name. They're from somebody. And, and it's kind of like weirdly the way that Acadians operate is you're always from somebody. Yeah. So my name, the way they would refer to me would be Devin a Louis a Francis uh, a Antoine. So Devin from Louis, my father, from Francis, my grandfather, yeah. from Antoine, my great grandfather. So everyone's always like that whole kind of lineage, you know. Um, so this tune is called... Teotim Asipus, but it's, re it's really Eric Teotim Asipus because it's from Eric who got it from Teotim. 
Yeah. And the next one is Narcissa John. So that's from Narcisse, who got it from John. So that all the tunes, that's the name of the tune, is yeah. like this weird kind of lineage. And that's what the old ladies were doing was like, oh, that's from Narcisse. Oh, he was a good boy. He got that from John. Oh, do you remember John? <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. But what's funny about this, it's a long story, but what's funny is that Teotimasipus, I was like, what does that mean? It means six-thumbed Teotimes. Okay. I was like, what? Why? It's a phrase. That's that's the phrase. So when you say someone is all thumbs, in Quebec you say he has six thumbs. Okay. So it's like... I don't th- actually know what all thumbs means. It though. means they're clumsy. You would think that would mean yeah. that you're like extra not clumsy. I suppose I don't. I can't imagine. If I was all thumbs. thumbs. All opposable. I guess he'd be. Yeah, maybe it's like he was super dexterous. I don't think so. So all. So it's it's like a six thumbed Teo team, clumsy Teo team. Yeah, would be the way. And Teo team is just a traditional name. They got cool names. Yeah, Teo team. All right. Anyways, that was a lot of talking.
It's nice to be able to get all my triplets out. I get in trouble if I do that too much Ooh. in old time music. Really? Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of triplets in that one. It's, I love that sound of that. It's a really good sound. Yeah. yeah. Well, Eloi LeBlanc, the Paganini of Memram Cook. I love his fiddling. He's a fabulous fiddler. And that's a sweet little corner. There's a fiddler now playing there. Dominique Dupree does some of that old style. But there's not many other people in that area who still play that old style. How are you doing that on the fiddle? How are Which you doing one? that triplet? Just a bow. Yeah, it's a very Celtic ornament. That's a Celtic ornament. It's, it is in old time, sometimes, but really rarely, I think. You're just going yeah. down and down? Yeah. Uh, is that easier than it's... <laughs> <laughs> It's, a, it's very common in Irish and Scottish fiddling. Hmm. I mean, a lot of the ornaments for Irish and Scottish fiddling were known to them as well. They just they don't do like the real kind of like the, the turns or the real rolls. They don't do that as much. They do but a they, right hand triplet instead of a left yeah, hand Yeah, they, they, they have a little bit fewer ornaments in the left hand, and there's a little bit more in the right hand. But, you know, really the ornaments are is the bowing, you know, that kind right. of hop in the bow. It's like a cool it. sound. I like it. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's good. <laughs> it's kind of like an engine. I mean, they'll plug into it. And actually, that brings me to my next, the next tune, which is um, the the syncopation and the bowing that you're hearing. You know, there's a lot of thought about where that came from. But the best theory, which I love, is from Bertrand, who my, was my teacher from the Magdalen Islands. He said it comes. His he had kind of his thing was that he had a lot of explanations for where the music came from and mm. why it sounded that way. He had these kind of genius little ways of talking about it. But the one I really loved was that his theory was that the rhythm came from the sound of the boat motors. Okay. So they're all lobster fishermen. He was a lobster fisherman. Like, <laughs> and it, what it is, is the sound of a one-stroke engine on an old lobster boat. Oh, and it would continue. So he starts... If you, I'll, I'll send you the clips so and maybe you can put it into the... Uh, into the podcast, but he starts sure. off his album with the sound of a one-stroke mo- his his one-stroke motor. It goes and he starts playing over it, and he has the same rhythm as the one-stroke motor of huh. his boat. And that was his beautiful theory about where that rhythm comes from. Interesting, because all day he's out there on the bay or in the in the ocean. You'd probably have to try not to incorporate. You know, it would probably just like stuck. He had great theories. His other theories were, um, <laughs> he had a lot of theories about shipwrecks. So you would play a tune that had like a bit of an Irish sound. He'd be like, he'd be like where did that come from, Bertrand? He'd be like, oh, long ago on the islands, there was a boat full of Irish people that shipwrecked on the shore. And that's where we got our Irish tunes from. Mm. Oh, okay. All right. And then he'd play a Scottish sounding tune from Cape Breton. You go, where did that come from, Bertrand? He'd be like, oh, long ago on the islands, there was a shipwreck of Scottish people. <laughs> <laughs> and that is where we get our Scottish stuff from. And then one day, he taught us. We were kind of like bored in class, so he taught us how to make the sound of a seagull on the fiddle. This like crazy, like kind of the sound of a seagull with the bow. Like, where did you learn that, Bertrand? He's like, oh, one day there was a boat full of seagulls. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love Bertrand. He's the best. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> He's crazy too. He was. T- we were. I was at Fiddle Tunes for a whole week with him, and it, I was like trying to get more information. He, he had his tunes came from weird places. Old people. He learned a lot from this old kind of blind hermit that was on the islands. But the thing was, the blind hermit was really mean, like, super mean, and these tunes were like fucking amazing. Like I've never heard anything like these tunes. He played one in class on our jaws at the ground. We're like. Holy shit, Bertrand, where did you get that tune? And he told us a story, and we're like, oh my god, we got the recorders on, give us some more tunes. And he says, no. He said, I had to sit there for like days with this guy, and he was so mean to me. I can't give you a bunch of them all at once. It took me days, and it was horrible. Yeah. It was just... <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, fair enough, man. You have to come and like <laughs> endure to... like some of my bullshit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got some bullshit built up yeah. here that you're gonna get. Yeah. But I was sitting there. We were eating like I was eating like a salad. I remember at lunch, and he was talking about his dad, Arnold de Rasp, who's a really good fiddler as well, a great singer, and kind of like, kind of like one of these old hard men, like hard man of the Isles, you know. 
and he was talking about seal hunting. And I, was, and I was just like eating my salad. And he's like, yeah, so my father would lead men of seal hunters out onto the ice. The ocean freezes. So they would trek onto the ocean, frozen ocean. But the thing is that the ocean also cracks. And there's like channels that open in the ice and they can get cut off. So they got cut off one time and his dad was, he says, like, yeah, my dad, they were starting to freeze to death. So he made the men fist fight each other on the ice so they wouldn't freeze to death. And they were all drinking seal's blood so they wouldn't die and they could keep warm. <laughs> I was just like eating my salad yeah, and pork yeah. cows. I'm like, holy shit, <laughs> really? <laughs> so, some of this stuff comes from a little bit darker place than we would like to imagine, I think, sometimes. Yeah. Fighting to keep warm. Yeah, they had to oh fist fight God. on frozen ice so they wouldn't freeze to death in the blizzard, you know. Stay up and just punch each other in the face. <laughs> yeah, his dad's a great fiddler. <laughs> but I wouldn't mess with him. Yeah. I mean, at that point, it's like, why don't you just have sex? Yeah. <laughs> why do you true. have to fight? <laughs> well, you might get like stuck together if you have like, yeah. long, sweaty contact. You know, I don't know. I've never had sex on a frozen ice floe before. Yeah, well, you're But so now young. I've got a bucket list item and didn't know yeah. I needed it. <laughs> Well, uh, what do you want to play next? Well, let's what play a tune from Bertrand since we've been talking about yeah. him. This is the best the best name of any tune I've ever found. It's called C'est Fret sur le Picasso. Oh, God, also his French was amazing. He, he, they have a really weird style. There's all these weird, weird dialects. There's a, his, not, he didn't speak it, but his buddy who was like from down the way who was with him spoke it, where they take the J's and make them into H, H's. So Jean-Jacques would be someone's name, Jean-Jacques, right? Yeah. But he'd be called, oh, Shashi, how hack. How hack. How hack. Okay. How hack. <laughs> I was like, what on earth? And then he spent like at least 30 minutes one day trying to teach me how to say, eh, we'll see, in French, which is usually <laughs> on verra, but he would say, oh, verra, oh, verra. And I would like just say it back, like, nope, on verra. Where? <laughs> so they had this weird dialect. Um, Oh, so let's. So the tune is. It's in his dialect. It's called "Se fret se la picasso," which means it's cold on my wee wee. Okay. Yes. <laughs> which you know, if you were on is the that ice. Is a complaint? <laughs> it's. I would imagine it's a complaint. Yeah, yeah. It's probably a complaint, but it's a yeah. pretty happy tune. He's not like. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just always cold on his wee wee. It's cold area. <laughs> sure. It's just it's, it's just the a Arctic, given. you know. It's, it's an like, obby. <laughs> you're basically in the Arctic. <laughs> So, <laughs> I thought that's a pretty good tune name though. It's cold on my wee wee. Yeah. <laughs> he had another tune called "Say Puyink to the Puyink," which is like I don't even. It's like something like it's not a big deal or something. It's a weird dialectical thing. Hmm. There's a strange language out there. And it's a weird tune too. And he's got some weird bowings. Hmm. All right, let's go for that.
I was like, <laughs> I had to stop. My legs were getting tired. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, I had to stop because it was cold in my wee wee. <laughs> That's why I kept going. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> too cold. All right, we have one tune left. Uh, where do people go to follow up on hearing more Acadian music, yours and others? Sure, yeah. Well, my family, my father mainly and myself, uh, we put together a website kind of trying to track Acadian. Because Acadian, you can find Acadian fiddlers all over. They're in Quebec, they're in Newfoundland, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, Magdalen Islands. Uh, and they all have kind of different styles and ideas. Oh, Prince Edward Islands, yeah, they're a really big area. That's where a lot of Vishton comes from. So we put together a website that has, you can go by region, you can go by fiddler, videos, photos, and transcriptions and bios of the artists. Some of it from our field work and others' field work. And uh, it's easy to find, AcadianFiddle.com. Great. You can go there and find all that stuff. My family has an album with some of these tunes. Uh, we, we perform as La Famille Léger, so the Léger family. Yes. So we have an album <laughs> up, up as well, if you're interested. Uh, but Acadian Fiddle, we kind of meant it as like a learning site. So that people could, if you like to read sheet music, my dad transcribes a bunch of these. He transcribed actually that one, Seferet so the Picasso, he has a transcription of that. So yeah, so yeah, that's a good place to go. We're trying to kind of keep it like an open source kind of, people can kind of add to it by emailing my dad and he puts it in. Yeah, we, it's, it's nice and we've had other people say that they've discovered new fiddlers and younger Acadian fiddlers are taking it up and using that website awesome. and some of these CDs, these new CDs is like a way to learn. Well, it's really special music. Thanks for taking yeah. some of your afternoon to tell me and all these other folks who will listen to this later about it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's beautiful music and it's very rare, so it's nice it's getting out there finally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, what do we want to play for this last tune? Okay, we're going to play a waltz. This is a waltz. This is from another Madelino fiddler from the Magdalen Islands, but he was a... He was a friend of Jerome's. When we went to see Jerome, Jerome gave us a cassette of this fiddler. And it was a cassette of like a, a recording, a live recording he had done. And this tune was on it. And he played all kinds of stuff. And his name was uh, Aurelien Jompf. Strange name, Jompf. Jompf. Um, but he's actually on YouTube. A few of these guys are on YouTube. Um, but he's on YouTube with one of the most epic YouTube videos I've ever seen of a fiddler. It's, a, it's like this, it's like a, a backyard Quebec or New Brunswick uh, party, like from the 80s. And he's on a swing, and he's wearing a huge black cowboy hat and speedos, <laughs> and that's it. And just speedos, like, speed, yeah, really tight shorts. Just shorts in the '80s that were like way wow. too tight for anyone's good, you know. And he's just fiddling away with his cowboy hat and his tidy, tidy, tidy shorts. And that's it. That's it. And oh, cowboy boots, of course. Of course, sorry, yeah, cowboy boots too, of course. <laughs> so don't watch this unless you want something awakened in you. Basically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it won't be cold on your wee wee anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I thought that was funny because it just kind of shows this guy's like huge, he had a huge personality. Yeah. He had passed he had passed away for a while before by the time I met Jerome, but he had a huge personality that everybody still spoke about in the in the. Yeah. He lived in the same quarter of Montreal that Jerome did. Mm. <laughs> so it's a waltz, so waltz, waltz de la vie jaune. And uh, yeah.
<laughs> Sorry I didn't wear my speed over that one. <laughs> Check out AcadianFiddle.com for resources on Acadian fiddling, and go get La Famille Leger album on Bandcamp. Both are linked in the show notes. You can support Get Up In The Cool at Patreon.com slash Get Up In The Cool, and you can buy a t-shirt or a bag or phone case or sticker by following the link in this episode's show notes. Check out PitchforkBanjo.com for my instructional banjo series. Make sure to like and follow Get Up In The Cool on Facebook so you can see the video I posted from this episode and share it with the world. Check out Think Outside The Box Set, my other podcast. You're probably all out of podcasts by now. You're just burning through them because you have nothing to do or nowhere to go. So check that out if you haven't already. And everything I just mentioned is linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to get up in the cool.